You're listening to the Hudson Valley Region Podcast, an official podcast of the New York City Church of Christ, teaching and worshiping God in the beautiful New York State counties of Orange and Rockland. You know, it's been a crazy week this week. A lot has gone on in our country and in our world. I was at the barber on Thursday getting my normal maintenance, right? My tune-up. And uh, as I sat in the chair, I said to the barber, I said, it was a crazy election, huh? And in about three seconds, I could totally figure out that he and I probably didn't share the same thoughts about the election. And so I quickly decided, considering the fact that he was going to be holding an open razor to my neck in a few moments, that I would just end the conversation and we would just kind of move on. So today, in the same spirit, I would like to discuss something more important. In the same spirit, I would like to talk to you about something more urgent. I would like to talk to you about something eternal. I would like to talk to you about Jesus. The great physician, the prince of peace, the prince of life, the living bread, the overseer, the master, the gift of God. That's who I'd like to talk to you about today. I'd like to talk to you about Jesus because he was the central figure of Christianity. And I would argue the central figure in the Bible. Revelation chapter 1 says he is the Alpha and the Omega. Those are the first and last Greek letters. It's like saying he is the A and the Z. He's the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is everything. That's who I want to talk to you about today. He was the example for our lives. He was, in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says we are called to follow in his steps. He is the standard by which we should judge our lives and live our lives and strive to be like 1 John chapter 2. It says, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. He is the connection to our eternity. That's what John 17.3 says. Eternal life is simply knowing Jesus. That's what the Bible teaches us. So today, I want to look at Jesus. Jesus was amazing. So let's read about him together. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 43, it says, The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked, come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under a fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. 
You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. There's a lot of stuff that we can learn and talk about Jesus. But one thing I want to point out, my first point this morning is this. Jesus was able to amaze. Jesus was able to amaze. Here, Nathaniel is invited, right, to go see Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth. And of course, Nathaniel says, Nazareth? What? Come on, that's crazy. Can anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip's like, well, why don't you come check it out and come see? So, so as Nathaniel is approaching, Jesus looks at him and says, there's a guy. I think that guy's a New Yorker, all right? Because that guy just says what he thinks, right? He just says what he thinks. And Nathaniel's like, well, how do you know me? And Jesus is like, I know you because I saw you sitting under a tree before Philip even came and talked to you. And he's like, what? That's crazy. And he and, and, and Nathaniel seems to be amazed at Jesus. Jesus had the ability to amaze. I'm amazed at this story by Jesus' response to Nathaniel. Jesus' response to Nathaniel is, you think that's amazing? We're just getting started, guys. It's just beginning, man. Some awesome stuff's going to... You think because I, I see you under a tree? That's cool. Wait till you see angels. That's cool. That's amazing. Jesus had the ability to amaze. I remember when I first started seriously studying the Bible. I was young and I was young. I was a teenager and someone told me, they said, they told me about how amazing Jesus was. And I had grown up going to church my whole life. So I knew all the stories, but I wasn't amazed. I just knew the stories because that's what I knew because I went to church because that's what my parents made me do. But someone told me, you know, Jesus was amazing. In fact, what you need to do, Phil, is you need to go through and reread the stories and look at people's response. And I was amazed at how amazed people were amazed at Jesus. Did I say that right? I don't think I even said that right. I was amazed. And so I have become amazed at Jesus by looking at his life. And the amazing thing about Jesus is you don't even have to be amazed by the things I'm amazed by. That's how amazing he is. I can tell you what amazes me, and you'd be like, oh, okay, well, that, okay, whatever, that doesn't really amaze me. But you can go and read the same stories and be amazed by something totally different by the same guy. That's how big and amazing God is. That he's able to create a customizable event for you. Yes, customizable, yes. I don't even know if that's a word. That's how amazing this is. Come on. I was amazed, and I hope you're amazed too. People were amazed when they came in contact with Jesus. Matthew chapter 7 talks about how they were amazed at his sermons. Mark chapter 2, they were amazed at his ability to cure sick people. Matthew chapter 8, they were amazed at his ability to control the weather. Whoa, how about that one? Matthew chapter 9, they were amazed at his dominance over the demons. Come on, Jesus. That's awesome. Mark chapter 7, they were amazed at his personal excellence. Mark chapter 10, they were amazed at his high expectations for people. Mark chapter 12, they were amazed by his brilliant replies. Matthew chapter 27, they were even amazed at his self-control. And of course, in Luke chapter 24, they were amazed that he died 
and then came back to life. Come on. You got to be a little amazed by that, right? Come on. Jesus had the ability to amaze. Now, you may be sitting there and saying, Phil, I'm just not seeing it. All right, it's just a book. It's just a bunch of stories. Just read them. And I'm just having a hard time being amazed. All right, well, let, let me let you in on a little secret on how to get amazed. All right, here's a, here's a way. Let's look back at Nathaniel for a second. What was it that prompted Nathaniel's faith or his belief or his amazement at Jesus? What was it? What was the sequence of events that made Nathaniel go, wow, you are the son of God? What was it? What was it? It started first with an honest comment from Nathaniel. It started first with honesty. Again, Philip said, come see Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel said, Nazareth? What good could come from Nazareth? It was honest. He said what he thought. You know, some of us, if we we miss out on the awesomeness of God because we don't really speak to God what's really in our hearts. If you want to personally experience the awesomeness of God, you first got to be honest with Him. You got to speak to Him and tell Him what's really inside of you. First of all, it's not like he doesn't know anyway. I mean, he's God, right? You know, you're not going to say anything that's going to shock him. Whoa, what? Where did that come from? You were thinking, what? He already knows it. He's just waiting for you to say it. Nathaniel's amazement of Jesus was prompted first by his honesty. And Jesus even respected that. Jesus is like, huh, that's a guy who speaks his mind. All right? And that's what prompted his amazement of Jesus. You want to be amazed with Jesus? You want to be amazed with God? At first, you got to be honest with God. I've been studying out the Psalms in my personal devotionals, my personal quiet times. And, uh, you know, you see themes throughout the Psalms. One of the themes that always inspires me is how worshipful they are of God. How the writers talk about how amazing God is in so much detail. And, and how the writers see God in, 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 the, in the, the, the craziest things. You know, the creation, the, the, the skies, the clouds, the, you know, the, all of these things. The, the, this, the writers see God and worship God, and it's amazing to me. But another thing that amazes me as well, and I have a harder time with, is the level of honesty in the Psalms. I mean, you, you only got to read a few of them to go, wow, all right, that's, can you say that to God? I guess you can because it's in the Bible. It's in his book. (laughs) I guess it's okay. I mean, the level of honesty. Now, I think there's there's always a level of respect. You know, there's always a a level of you are God and I am not God. But but even with that respect and civility, you can have honesty. And that's where it starts. You know, often the Psalms start with somebody sharing their, their, their troubles or their fears or they're wondering where you are, God, or what are you doing, God? Why have you forsaken me? Where are you, God? But then, but then as, as, as the writer is honest, you see the progression to where they become then in awe of God. God, now I see. Now I see how great you are. Now I see. And so my point to us is this, is Jesus is able He is able to amaze. But if you're missing out on it, if you're like, I just don't get it, maybe you need to start with being honest with God. 
with God. Taking the time to go and sit with God and speak to Him. Are you honest with God? Or are you bottled up? Are you burying things? And I just don't want to deal with that. That was a long time ago, so I'm going to stick that down in, in, in the bottom. I'm going to bury that. Well, you know what happens when you bury things, right? It rots, right? And then everybody smells it. The other day we had something bad in our refrigerator, and I was amazed. I was amazed. Even with the door closed, I could still smell it. I'm like, ah, how is it? I thought the refrigerator was a sealed compartment. I mean, how does it, it smell so bad it was coming out? And it didn't take me long to figure out what it was that I needed to throw away. The same is, heart, the same is true with our hearts. When we just bury stuff in our hearts, we just stick it down in there. We bury it. You know, it may work for a little while, but eventually it rots. And people smell it even with the door closed. They get around you or they get around me and go, what is wrong with him? There's something wrong. There's something. I don't know what it is. Something weird. Something weird. Yeah, you can smell it. It starts first with you and God. Do you need to have a little talk with Jesus? Come on. You need to tell him all about your troubles. He will hear your faintest cry. And you know what? He will answer by and when? By, yes. Yeah, all right. You don't know that song, do you? All right. I'm not going to sing it. I would not, you would not be amazed if I started to sing it. Jesus was amazing. Jesus was powerful. And Jesus had the ability to amaze. Are you being honest with the Lord? If you're honest and you're open, that's when you, that's when you begin to see how amazing God is. We've got to be open and honest, able to amaze. What else do we learn about Jesus? Well, let's keep reading. Beginning in John chapter 2, verse 1. After this, it says, On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill them with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from. Though the servants, the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and he said, Everyone brings the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best wine till now. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples Put their faith in him. Jesus was able to amaze. And secondly, Jesus was often unorthodox. He was able to amaze and he was often unorthodox. If you were God and you had this elaborate plan to send your son or send yourself or your son or, you know, however you want to think of that, to earth as a human and you are going to do your first miracle, right? This is your kickoff miracle, right? This is the opening night, the, 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 the big start.
start of your ministry career, what would you choose for that first miracle? Would it be ending world hunger? Maybe. Would it be stomping out poverty? Would it be maybe just removing all evil in the world? Your first big miracle. Jesus' first miracle was refreshments at the party. That is crazy. That is why Jesus was often unorthodox. He was often unorthodox. I remember being young in my faith, really young in my, young as a man, but young in my faith. Someone came to me one time and said, hey, you and me, we're going to go out and meet people and invite them to church. I'm like, what? What do you mean? He goes, we're going to go invite people to church. Like strangers? Yes. Can you do that? Yes, we're going to go. And he and I got in the car and we drove to Blockbuster. Remember Blockbuster? Back in the olden days. Yeah, yeah, I'm old. That's like the 1900s, right? And we were in the parking lot. And I went up to the first person ever in my, the first stranger in my life ever. This is the first time I ever did this. I went to this person and I said, it's not the first stranger I met. It's the first time I went to a stranger and and I said, hi, I would like to invite you to church. It was crazy. Yeah, it was radical. Like, you can do this? I was terrified. Guy got in his car, and he said, uh, no thanks. And he drove away. <laughs> and I was like, that's it? That's it? It was totally unorthodox for me at the time. I remember another time, again, same time in my life, young in my I was with a, 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 a minister, actually. I wasn't a minister, but he was. And he was older and he was sort of a mentor to me at that time and we're standing at a fast food restaurant ordering hamburgers and french fries and we're just doing a normal thing like french fries and hamburgers and just getting food that's all we were doing and he turns and he looks at me in front of the cashier and he says phil we need this guy don't we and i said what and he goes we need this guy i said what are you talking about at church For God, we need him. Don't you think, Phil? I'm like, can you say that in front of people? This is so unorthodox. And he turned to the guy and said, listen, man, we need you. He says, we're Christians, and we want to talk to you about God, and we need you to come and be part of the church. And I had never seen that before. That was crazy. That was crazy. This is what Jesus was like. He did things that were unorthodox. Things that made people go, what? Why are you doing that? This was typical of Jesus. In fact, the only orthodox thing about Jesus is that he was often unorthodox. Right? In a society at his time that was full of gender and racial inequality, Jesus at one time sits with a non-Jewish woman and has a conversation crazy in fact so crazy the guys around him didn't want to ask about it it was crazy what are you doing jesus had so much compassion for people that he touched diseased people he touched them he didn't just heal them from a distance he touched them lepers he put his hands on them crazy unorthodox jesus was full of -of out-of-the-box solutions 
things that people just didn't think of, right? I mean, at one point, his buddies were on the lake in a boat, and he was on the land, and he wanted to go to them, but he didn't have a boat. So guess what he did? He walked on the water. Crazy. What? Can you do that? He did. One time he had to pay taxes. So he told Peter, he says, go fishing, catch a fish, and then do what? Sell it and make some money? He said, no, open the fish's mouth, and there's money inside. That's the way he paid his taxes. Crazy. Don't you wish that happened today? We'd all be out, we'd all be out here in the Hudson. I don't know what you'd find if you were out there, man. Jesus was often unorthodox. Man, we got to smash the stereotypical views of Jesus that we hold on to. Jesus was not an old, gray-haired, long-robed, fragile, sheep-carrying man that, you know, if you blew on him, he'd fall down. That wasn't Jesus! I mean, for goodness sake, Jesus was a carpenter. He was a carpenter, so he probably was a strong man because he did physical labor. He also was able to rally together a variety of people. Not just one type of person, but a variety of people. Political activists, tax collectors, fishermen, men, women, children, religious, non-religious. Jesus could rally people together. That's crazy. Jesus frightened people sometimes because he was so confident. I mean, at one point, at one point, they were going to kill him. They were going to throw him off a cliff. And you know what he did? He just walked right through. He said, no, no, not today. And he left. That was Jesus, man. This guy was crazy. And then on top of that, he loved people so deeply. He loved them. His default mode was compassion. Yes, sometimes he was strong with people. And yes, he said some hard things. And yes, he drew lines and he didn't compromise. But his default mode was to love people. Even all of that was done in love. He loved people so deeply. we got to smash these stereotypes. This is why I preach at you to read the Bible on your own. Because you got them. You got stereotypes in your mind. You may not have that picture hanging above your fireplace of the frail, broken Jesus who, you know, who's like, oh, really? I don't, you know, I don't want to follow that guy. You may not actually have a picture, but you got it in your mind. You do. We all do. We all have them. And that's why we've got to continually read the Bible and look at this guy and studying him. Some of us, I'm afraid, have just enough knowledge to be dangerous and miserable at the same time. Come on, man. It's not weak to follow Jesus. It's actually, it's hard. It's hard. It's really hard. And we've got to smash those stereotypes. I invite you to open the Bible. Get with somebody. If you need some help, that's what we do, man. That's what we do. We sit with people and we open the Bible. We do it. That's, I mean, we got, we, got, we got studies. We got maps. We got graphs. We got video. Well, I don't know. Do we have, maybe we got video. We got all kinds of stuff. <laughs> you, we we want to teach you. We want to help you. But it all starts with you first going, all right, all right. Am I going to take a look at this guy? And can I set aside all those things that I've been taught since I was a kid and maybe think maybe there's more to it. Maybe there's. I'm not saying everything you were taught was bad. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying let's examine it all. Let's look at it and compare it to what the Bible says. Jesus was able to amaze 
Jesus was often unorthodox. And finally, Jesus was serious about spirituality. He was able to amaze. He was often unorthodox, but he was serious about his spirituality. Let's read on there in chapter 2. Verse 12, it says, After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? His disciples remembered that it was often written, or that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. This is a very strong image of Jesus. In fact, for some people, this is a very disturbing image of Jesus because here you see Jesus coming into the temple and seeing people there who forgot why they were there. People who forgot the purpose. He wasn't saying that it was wrong to have money in the temple or have an animal in the temple or we have a fundraiser and we're selling lunch afterwards. That's not a sin. That's not the point of of this. The point is people who came to worship God and forgot they came to worship God. In fact, they made worshiping God a business. And, 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 And Jesus, he dealt with it. Why? Because he was serious about being spiritual. Are we serious about spirituality? Are we serious about it? Acts chapter 17. It talks about the Bereans. The Bible says after they were preached to, they went. The Bible says in Acts 17 that they eagerly examined the scriptures every day to see if what was taught to them was true. That's serious. That's being serious about spirituality. Eagerly examining the scriptures to make sure that what we're doing and what we're following is true. That is being serious. Acts 19, the people in Ephesus were so moved and so convicted by the gospel that they confessed their sins openly and burned all of their scrolls. I mean, that was was a very serious act. People who were serious about their spirituality. In Luke chapter 19, a tax collector, a tax collector wanted to see Jesus, but he was a little guy. So guess what he did? He climbed up in a tree, right? And he got up in the tree so he could see Jesus. That's somebody who's serious about spirituality. And he got lucky because Jesus saw him and said, hey, I'm coming to your house. Let's hang out. So after spending time with Jesus, he was so moved that his response is, Jesus, I will go back. And if I've cheated anybody, I will give them four times what I took from them. That's someone who's serious about their spirituality. Are you serious about God? Or do you just dabble? Is God a hobby? Or is he your life? Your soul? 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul, beginning, actually in verse 11, Paul describes a person who is serious about their sin, that's serious about themselves, 
serious about their spirituality. And it says, he describes it as someone, it says, what earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourself, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point, you have proved yourself innocent in this matter. This is someone who takes their weaknesses and their sins seriously. This is not someone pointing at somebody else, but someone pointing at themselves, saying, I will be serious about my spirituality. This is what Jesus was. He was serious about being spiritual. A person who is serious about spirituality is someone who regularly reads the Bible, regularly prays, is regularly open about their sins and their weaknesses, a person who makes no excuses about their faults, a person who just changes. It's like, all right, I'm going to change. A person who helps other people to know God, a person who obeys the commands of God, even if they're uncomfortable or counterintuitive, somebody who comes to church, somebody who serves the needy, somebody who's faithful, someone who's encouraging, someone who is humble. In short, somebody who is serious about their spirituality, as it says in Mark 4, is somebody who loves the Lord their God with all their heart, all their mind, all their soul, and all their strength. That's somebody who's serious about God. Jesus was serious about his spirituality. You know, Jesus is the center of everything we do. He's the reason we gather. It's why we're here. He is right, he is perfect, and he is eternal. And, as we've looked at today, he is able to amaze. He is often unorthodox, and he is serious about being spiritual. I want to close out our lesson today with an adaptation from a sermon by Dr. James Allen Francis called One Solitary Life. Listen to this. It says, Here is a man who was born in an obscure obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another village. He worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never owned a home. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family. He never went to college. He never put his foot inside a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He never did one of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. While still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed upon a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only piece of property that he owned on earth, his clothes. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty long centuries have come and gone, and today he is the centerpiece of the human race, of all the armies that have ever marched, of all the navies that were ever built, of all the parliaments that have ever sat, and all the kings that have ever reigned put together, they have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as that one solitary life. Let's put our faith in Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Hudson Valley Region podcast. For more information about our ministry or to attend a church service, please visit our website at hvregion.com.